brother. Well, clap your hands and give God praise on Sunday morning. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, there's a lot of us that are clapping our hands, but could you give him praise while you're clapping? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, the book of 2 Kings chapter 7. 2 Kings chapter 7, one verse of Scripture, verse 3, very familiar text. Uh, while you're turning there, I'm glad to know what kind of church I'm in today. And we're in an apostolic church, but beyond that, there are two types of apostolic churches. There are the apostolic church when the pastor is there, and the apostolic church when the pastor is not. But I'll be honest with you, I hadn't really seen a difference this morning, so I'm glad to know what kind of church I'm in. Hallelujah. There is, if, if you, you can only understand this if you're an evangelist or, or maybe a lay preacher that, that is taking care of a church while pastor is gone. There is a dread that comes over you when pastor says, I'm going to be out of town. But I'm going to tell you, again, man, I'm just excited to be in the house of God today where God's people said, you know what, we're going to ride with this. We're going to have revival. I, I believe it's the will of God that while they're in Turkey, they get a phone call and said, we had 10, get the Holy Ghost. We had 15, get the Holy Ghost. My family got put back together. I got healed of cancer. God restored my hearing. Come on, he's still in the miracle working business. Amen. Man, but I, I do today want to give honor to the pastor, wonderful friend, uh, wonderful man of God, wonderful preacher. And I uh, will say, please forgive my voice. I'm not sick. I've uh, just been having good church. Because you got to clarify nowadays. People hear you a little hoarse, and they're like, well, you might have the COVID. You just, no, I didn't get that. I've just been in good church. And uh, you can... Uh, you can give me that disease all you want to. I like good church. Hallelujah. Second Kings chapter 7 and verse 3. There were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate. And they said one to another, Why sit we here? Get somebody and ask them, What are we doing? What are we doing? Why sit we here until we die? I want to preach to you today on this simple thought, walking in weakness. How many are going to make up their mind today that I'm going to push through some stuff and I'm just going to move forward? I say, preacher, you ain't even preached yet. I don't know if I'm going to. Well, you need to settle it in your mind right now. I'm going to push through some stuff and I'm going to move forward. Well, let's pray together. God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory, honor. We just come today as humbly as we know how asking you to move in this house for we know that it's in you we move we breathe and we have our being we're asking you lord right now to have your way in this house from the front to the back and side to side let the anointing of the holy ghost saturate us change us and challenge us take us to the next level in jesus name we pray would you clap your hands unto the lord thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus Amen. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. I'm not going to hold you long today, so just know that I'm already preaching. How about it? Don't wait till halfway through. I'm already halfway through. No, I'm kidding. That's a lie, and y'all know it. Hallelujah. <laughs> the preset of this story begins with a famine in the land. How many know how that feels? I got two people that's going through a famine. The rest of y'all, I want to know how you're doing it because it must be pretty good in Bakersfield. How many know what famine feels like? 
famine and, and it, it will cause you to do things and say things and think things that, that you normally wouldn't say and do and think because it puts you in a position where your back is against the wall. Uh, famine will cause you to get desperate and go to church and worship like you've never worshipped before. But uh, there, there, there's something about this that's so powerful. You know the story. If you don't know it, you're going to hear it today. But uh, it's, it's here that in the worst point in time of Samaria's history, uh, we find that a preacher shows up. He didn't wait. Uh, he didn't wait till it was kind of bad, and he didn't show up before it got bad and said, you're fixing to go through the storm. He waited. God didn't talk until it was really bad. That's just how God does things sometimes. Sometimes God don't talk till it's really bad. And that's, that's where the man of God shows up and says, tomorrow about this time, the famine is going to be over. Now, I've got a lot more to preach, but let me just wrap some of it up right here and tell you, I feel that same thing in my spirit today, that there's going to be somebody that leaves here with a tomorrow about this time kind of miracle. I don't know what you need from the Lord. I don't know what you've been praying for, but I feel an unction in my spirit just telling me to tell you that tomorrow about this time, you're going to get a phone call. Tomorrow about this time, the doctor's going to say, I don't know what happened. Tomorrow about this time, you're going to turn around and everything that the devil meant for evil, God's going to work it out for your good. How do you know that, preacher? Because the Bible tells me that all things work together for the good of them that are called. I've come to tell you today that it may look bleak and it may look dim, but it is not over until, Brother Williams told us last week, it's not over till God says it's over. It's not over until God speaks. It's not over till the prophet shows up. I've come to tell somebody on a Sunday morning, your family's not going to fall apart tomorrow about this time. Your finances are not going to, if you'll believe it, I'm telling you, God will work a miracle for you. God will work it out on your behalf. I know it's Sunday morning, but I just feel like preaching to somebody right now and telling you, you don't have to throw in the towel. All hope is not lost. Tomorrow, God is still a God that when nobody else can move, the armies can't fight enough, the king can't direct enough, but God can step in. And when God steps in, anything can happen. Famine in the land. Tomorrow, about this time. And, and, and that brings us to our text because we're going, we're going to talk about how the famine ends today. I, I know it's a simple Bible story, but let, let, let me just put my little Sunday school brain on it for a little bit. Like I told y'all, I got held back in the primary class. So I've had a long time to think about all these Bible stories. It brings us to our text, and there's something interesting about this, Brother Brock, that I never noticed until maybe a year or so ago. And it's just been interesting to me that whoever the writer of Kings is, when he mentions these men, he does not call them by their name. However, he labels them by their condition. There's no Jeff and Billy. I don't know what California names are. I just, I know what redneck and hillbilly names are. Bubba. I'm not joking to you when I tell you I've got some cousins and their legal name is Frog, Goob, and Buckshot. That's their legal names. <laughs> How'd I get here? 
Y'all going to go home and tell everybody, y'all need to come see this preacher. He redneck for real. <laughs> Hallelujah. But he, he doesn't label them by their identity. He, he labels them by their condition. Isn't it amazing that every time the enemy, the accuser of the brethren, gets in your ear, he never calls you by name. He calls you by your condition. Society will not call you by your name, but will call you by your condition. Sometimes even your family will not call you by your name, but will label you by a condition of what you have. This is not, but I've come to tell somebody today, that's what you have, that's not who you are. And when God sees you, he recognizes the condition, but he identifies you by who you are. People might see you as a mess, but God sees you as a message in the making. You might have failed right before you came in those double doors today, but can I tell you that God doesn't look at you and label you as a thief. He doesn't label you as an addict. He doesn't label you as an adulterer. He knows who you are, and he recognizes that the label is a lie and the label doesn't be, have to be who you are for the rest of your days. I've come to preach to somebody today that society has labeled you. Your friends have labeled you. Your situation has labeled you. But God knows who you are. He knows your name. He knows from the very moment he said before you were even in your mother's womb, I knew you. I had my hand on your life. You are not a failure. Come on, I don't know who needs to hear that today, but I don't feel like I need to move on just yet. You're not who the world says you are. You're not who society says you are. You're a child of God. You're anointed to be a prayer warrior. You're a part of this church. You're a part of this family. Well, I don't know if I want to be a part of this, this, this group of people. Because every time I go to church, it's not long before people start calling me my, my condition. You just keep showing up. Let God do his thing. You, you, you just keep coming to church. Because I'm going to tell you, God knows how to take people that are messed up, twisted, and, and in so many knots that, that it will just blow your mind. And before it's all over, said and done with, they're one of the main people in the house of God. They're a pillar. When they go on to be with the Lord, they're the ones that everybody wants to be like. Where did they come from? They came from being labeled. They came when they walked in the door. Everybody looked at them funny too. When they walked in the door, they had baggage just like you got baggage. When they came to God, it was just a mess. But when they found him and when he began to give them their true identity, Everything changed. So there, there, there's a conversation to be had here where we understand now that, that God identifies us by who we really are and not by what we are. However, there's some stuff we have to do on our part to get to that place. And so the Bible gives us a dialogue of what these men began to say to themselves. We see these men, lepers, labeled by their condition. Weakness is the very identity of who they are. But yet they begin to have a conversation, and we're going to preach through it, but uh, they, they begin to say, what, what are we going to do? Why sit we here until we die? Said, 
if we just sat here, people are going to keep making fun of us. People are going to keep pointing at us. People are going to keep calling us lepers. We're not going to make any move. We're not going to make, make any forward motion. And, and, but they had a revelation that some of us need to get today. Oh, I feel like preaching this right now. They said, if we go back into the city, there's a famine there. And we shall die also. I just come to ask you a simple question today. You had it better back where you came from? Ooh, that went over like a flock of dogs. Because the truth is, you don't want to hear that. Because when we get to a place in our walk with God, when we get complacent and we're just sitting outside the gate and we're not doing anything for God, the first thing we do is start looking backwards. Well, I remember how it was back there, but these men had a revelation that the city that I left, the place that I came from, is still just as broken. It's still just as empty. It's still just as barren. Don't you remember why you came to God? Because you were broken. You were empty. You were barren. And you came to God because a preacher got up and preached to you that there's a place that you can go where you can be filled and you can be made whole and your barrenness can be turned to fruitfulness. So you want to go back to where you came from just because things aren't working out the way you thought they should just because you got into a trial or you got into a test. Honey, you need to get the revelation. God brought me from a mighty long way and I'm not going back. Come on, I'm not going back to where I came from. Like the children of Israel, they said, what the God, we died in Egypt. You had it better there? Listen, if I'm going to fight depression, I might as well fight it from a church pew where at least I know I've got a chance of making it out. If, if where all my family's falling apart, well, if you're going to fight family struggle, it's a whole lot better to fight it from a church pew than a bar stool. Because I'm going to tell you out there, it's only going to get worse. But when you get in here, Oh, I know you don't believe me, but you can go look at every celebrity there is and they're on their fifth marriage and, and, and they're doing drugs and alcohol and they can't feel the void. They've got unlimited amounts of money that they can buy whatever they want, but there's still no joy and there's still no peace of mind and their family's still broken, but you can come into this house and God can take everything that is broken and start... I'm not going back to the weak and beggarly elements of the world. I'm not going back to Egypt. I'm not going back to the way things used to be. I've got a reason to live for God. Go back to what? What is there to go back to? It's like we're, we're a lot like the, more like the children of Israel than we care to admit. I want to go back. You see, God told them that they had a promise, but he, he didn't tell them that the promise comes through a process. Because everybody wants to be delivered, right? Well, I should have got a little bit more help there, right? Everybody wants to be delivered, but nobody wants to be developed. <laughs> I'm trying really hard not to chase that rabbit right now. I feel like a beagle puppy in, well, y'all don't even know what all that's about. Y'all in California. I'll say it anyway. I feel like a beagle puppy in a rabbit pen. I, there's rabbits going every which way. Maybe I will chase that rabbit for a minute. <laughs> See, because development takes 40 years in the wilderness. Development takes you facing yourself every day till you finally figure out what part of you you need to get rid of.
Oh, we, we didn't see that, but let me, let me just preach it to you like that. that. That's the reason why they were in the wilderness. God was developing them because they've been a nation that were slaves and they've been a nation that was nomadic wanderers and you can't be a slave and a wanderer and function like a conqueror all at the same time. You have to be developed into becoming a conqueror. You don't just get up after you get the Holy Ghost and take dominion over every demon in hell. That I'm sorry, that just ain't how it works. That, that's, that, that's spiritual authority. And the only way you get to spiritual authority is by walking through spiritual warfare. Ooh, I feel like preaching now. You don't just get up. At least I don't anyway. I, I, it, look, if you've, got, if you've got hell whipped by the tail, please let me know how you do it because in my house, we still fight devils. Can, can we just be real today and act like we, and, and stop acting like we got it all together and let's just be honest and say, thank God we're delivered, but I didn't really like this development process because this hurts. This makes me question why I'm here. Development makes me wonder, why is God doing this to me? Don't even know we're the people of God. Don't you know there's a promised land that we're supposed to be living in? And here we are walking around in circles because we've got to kill off the part of us that can't believe God. And so he's developing you. He's put you into this pressure cooker of life. The steam ain't coming off. And it's starting to shake a little bit. You, 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 can, you can hear the, the seals in that pressure cooker. That's actually a biblical term. He talks about being sealed. And I don't have time to preach that. That's a whole other message. Pressure's coming in. God, what are you doing? I'm developing you. Because you cannot get away from the labels until you're developed. Everybody looks at Israel and says, they're, they're just a bunch of ex-slaves. They're just getting out of Egypt. But what God's been doing is developing He's strengthening. He's getting, he's getting their ear fine-tuned to his voice. He's getting them to a place to where they understand it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by his spirit. And, and, and there's this thing about, I, I don't know what you call it in California, if I'm just preaching like a country boy would preach today, I, I'd, I'd say it's like your, your faith is a muscle and it only works after you've been working it out a little bit. And it, it really hurts when you lay down and you start pumping faith, and you ain't ever pumped faith before, and sometimes you can't even make it all the way to 10 reps. Listen to me up here talking about like I actually know what working out is about. Only thing I know about working out is work. But, but you're stretching and you're using things that you've never used before. What is that? I'm, I'm helping a new convert right now. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. That's development. That's God taking you through baby steps and saying, I want you to understand. I'm, I'm going to tell a story right now that half of you won't believe, but it'll be all right. I'm going to tell it anyway because it's still the truth. I, I, was, I was a young man, 17 years old, and, and I, I had just started evangelizing. I was still working. Uh, actually, I was working two full-time jobs. And, and I was a, a forklift operator at a company, and, and I got to work one day, 3.30 in the morning. Look. God will talk to you in 3.30 in the morning, but it's just hard to listen. For me, it is anyway. He speaks at 3.30. I just don't hear very well. I, I get up 3.30 and I'm mad at everybody. 
I don't drink coffee, so that don't make me happy. Like, just, I'm just mad till like six. You got two and a half hours of me being a grouch. I get to work, pull up in my truck, and I see one of my coworkers, and, and, and the Lord spoke to me and said, Miss Bonnie is fixing to transfer to another job. It's like, God didn't say that. God didn't say that. Why would God tell me if Miss Bonnie was going to another job? It's 3.30 in the morning. Sure enough, I walked in. Miss Bonnie looks at me and says, hey, just want to let you know I'm having to go move to another job. I'm like, well, I'll be John Brown. Now, granted, I'm a young evangelist. God's God's teaching me. God's developing me. I'm I'm learning the voice of God. I I get to my next revival. I was preaching in Houston, Texas. That was like two weeks later. A man walks in. Long story short, God begins to speak to me, and I went back there, and I told the man exactly what God told me, and he fell down on his face. And, and, and it was personal things, and so I'm, I'm not going to go into that. But the pastor knew, and the man knew, and, and very few in the congregation knew, but, but he began to weep and cry. And, and the pastor's standing there, and he said, How did you know? I said, Well, God spoke to me. Now, I'm, I'm talking about this kind of stuff that'll make you say, Now, God? Really? You, you, you want me to tell him that? And, and, and maybe one day things will change and I can come back and tell the rest of the story, like the whole story of what was actually said. But that man looked at me and he said, Preacher, I prayed the day before I left and said, God, if I don't get a word from you, I'm coming home and I'm going to commit suicide. And all of a sudden God told, showed me. That's why at 3.30 in the morning when you were mad, I told you Miss Bonnie was leaving because I wanted to develop your ears. Because if you missed hearing Miss Bonnie, you're going to miss hearing about this man. And I need to get another preacher that knows what he's doing to show up on that Sunday morning. So when God starts putting you in that kind of stuff and it feels uncomfortable and you're like, God, why are you doing this? Maybe it's because you're going to be the lifeline to somebody out there and God knows that if I can fine-tune your ear in the middle of the wilderness, then you won't have a problem hearing me when you get into the promised land. And so when the time comes when you're going to be someone's savior, you've already got your ear tuned to my voice. You've already been developed because you've been through the fire. You've been through the flood. You've been through hail. You've been through high water. But yet you continue to live for God. It's development. It's walking with God. It's coming out of the place to where we assume that God's just going to do everything for us. Let me tell you something. God has not, you got your book out, I want you to write this down, has not, will not, ever do everything for you. Ever. Why sit we here until we die? Because there's this thing about God that God don't move till you move. I can tell some of y'all don't believe me right now, and so I'm going to give you biblical examples. Jesus is a miracle worker. Jesus can do anything, and, and, and I understand that, but we have to understand he can open the blinded eyes, but you got to go wash. He can pay the taxes, but you got to go fish. He can feel your nets to the point that they're breaking, but you got to put them on the other side of the ship. 
He can heal Lazarus and bring him back from the dead, but you got to roll away the stone. He can feed 5,000 with just two loaves and, fish and five fish, but, but, but you got to give it to him and you got to let him bless it and break it. He can, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost now that he can do anything that he wants to do, but you've got to get involved with your own miracle. Blind Bartimaeus, I can heal you, but you've got to cry out. Woman with an issue of blood, it can be changed, but you've got to get in the press. I've come to tell somebody today, your miracle is as close as you getting up in your labeled weakened condition and beginning to walk through everything that's telling you to step back. Come on, I'm wanting to heal your withered hand, but I want you to stretch forth. I want you to get involved with your own miracle. What do you have in your house? I don't have anything. Save a crucible. You go borrow vessels and borrow not a few. And when the miracle is done, it's because God found somebody that would get up from their complacent spot and begin to walk through their labels and through their weakness. You can't just sit back in your apostolic lazy boy and expect the miracle to come to you. Get up. Why should we here until we die? You can't just lift your hands and call yourself a miracle magnet and hope that everything comes to you. Get up and walk. Get up and move. Get up and pray. Get up and worship. Get up and dance. I don't feel like it, preacher. I know you don't feel like it, but your miracle is waiting on you to move. This is a spiritual concept that we can find even with David's life. Bible says, Bible says that he comes to Ziklag and he is in a place bad and I told y'all I was going to preach part three. This is like part 2.5. That Bible's just got so much stuff in it that you can't cram it all into one service. Because I still got, well, no, this is part 2.25. This is two and a quarter. We'll preach two and a half later. But David comes into Ziklag, and he's distressed. Anybody ever been stressed? Oh, now I'm preaching. Some of y'all ain't been paying attention all morning until I said stressed out, and you're like, mm-hmm, I'm here. Here I am. Yay, you felt that one. Ain't felt nothing else I said, but you felt that. I'm here. I'm stressed. Losing my hair. Hair turning gray. I'm not really losing it. I'm pulling it out. David was distressed because his, his friends have turned against him. He goes out to fight a battle and comes back to find out he lost a battle he didn't even know he was in. That's what I call pressed on every side is what Paul would say. He comes back to a city and his family's gone. Everything's stripped from him. He don't have nothing left. And we jump. I did it a couple, what was that, Tuesday night? We jump right to the good part. Get right to it. Woo, you shall without doubt overtake, pursue. You're going to get it all back. Ah. Run the aisles, shout, dance, talk in tongues, roll in the floor, foam at the mouth, all of that. We do it. It's, it's awesome. Because you're going to get it all back. But there's structure to this. You don't just get it all back because you're going to get it all back. There, 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 there is, there's formality to this. 
The Bible says that, first of all, David encouraged himself in the Lord. Now, you want to know why that's so powerful? Because nobody else knows what you need to hear like you know what you need to hear. I, I can't go home with you and tell you what kind of trouble and trial you got. But you know what you need to hear. And there's got to be times in your life when you learn how to go look yourself in the mirror in your weakness, in your labeled condition, and say everything's going to be all right. Thus saith the Lord. So now I don't, I don't start messing with all that now, preacher. You're getting into some in the latter rain stuff. No, I'm telling you what the Bible says. The Bible says all things work together for good for them that are called. That, are you not called? Are you not chosen? Are you not a peculiar people? Then everything's going to be all right. You've got to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm be honest. I know y'all gonna think I'm really weird after this. There's been times in my life I've just went in. I, I went to a room because I didn't want anybody to see me. Closed the door and laid my hand on my own head and prayed for myself. Jacob Phillips, everything's gonna be okay. I know you feel like you're about to lose your mind, but you're not gonna lose your mind. God's with you. You're anointed. You're called. You're peculiar. The hand of God's been on you from the day you were born. Yeah. I, that was the reaction I was expecting right there. But maybe it'll do some of you some good to do that every now and again. Because, I'm, again, I'm going to tell you, I can't go home with you. I can't tell you every problem you have. I can't minister to every need you have. As a preacher, sometimes I'm going to come up short. Don't put your faith in me. Put your faith in him. Don't, don't put your faith in man. Put your faith in God and know that God is working it out. Encourage yourself. Or I'm just waiting on somebody to come get me by the hand and run the aisles with me. But it's not always going to be like that. You're not always going to have somebody to come shake you. You're not always going to have somebody to drag you out of the aisle. And you're going to have to learn if you're going to make it living for God. You're going to have to figure out how to dance in your living room. You're going to have to figure out how to run around your coffee table when there ain't nobody else there. You're going to have to figure out how to go in front of the refrigerator and leap for joy even though you feel like you're about to lose your mind. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Woo. I'll tell you what, we'd have a whole lot less people jumping churches because we're not getting fed. Woo. I'm preaching real good now. We'd have a whole lot less people trying to move to another place just because, well, pastor really don't understand my needs. If you'd understand the Bible way of doing this, before David ever got a word from God, he encouraged himself. We got it backwards. Read it. Go home. I don't have time to read it because if I start reading it, I'll start chasing rabbits. But you read it. He encouraged himself in the Lord. Then he put on the linen ephod which is a type of anointing. You ready for this? The anointing never comes until you figure out how to live for God without feeling the anointing. You're not going to feel goosebumps. You're not going to feel doodads. What, I don't know what y'all call them here in California. 
You're not going to feel that feeling running up and down your spine when you're shouting and dancing all over the front of the church. You're not going to be able to do all of that. you got to learn how to get encouraged. Then the anointing shows up. David encouraged himself. Then the anointing that destroys every yoke fell on him. Then the word from God came that everything is about to change. Go in and pursue. I told you, there's formality to this. You can't just expect every miracle to fall at your feet. You can't expect everything that you lost to just come back. David, pursue, pursue. Get up. I know you're weak, but get up. I know you've lost everything, but get up. I know your family's gone, but get up. I know your friends are talking about killing you, but get up and pursue. Because if you get up and you walk in your weak state, you will overtake and bring it all back. It's like, it's, it's the same story, it's just in different perspectives. Because when these four leprous men get up and start moving, this is one of the best parts of this story, man. The Bible says that the Assyrians hear something. What do they hear, preacher? I'm so glad you asked. Because I was hoping you would. When they heard what they heard, they said, that sounds like an army. And they didn't just, it's in your Bible, go read it. And they didn't just say, it sounds like an army. They said, that sounds like the army of the Lord. Ready? This is simple. I know it is. You're going to be underwhelmed, but it's powerful if you can ever get a hold of it. When you walk in your weakness, the devil doesn't see you. He doesn't hear you. He can't even touch you because now you're a part of an army. And we're all weak and we're all anemic and we all got failures and we all got faults. But when they heard that sound of four weak men walking, it was as if God brought them into a New Testament revelation that we all come from different backgrounds and we all come from different, oh, help me, Jesus. We all come from different failures. But when we begin to walk in our weakness, the devil doesn't see us. He sees the army of the Lord. He doesn't hear us. It sounds like an army and it's the army of the Lord. It's an army of the one that's never lost a battle. It's the army of the one that spoke the world into existence. It's the army of the one that's kept his hand on his people from the beginning of time. It's the army of the one that said, oh, go in and possess the land. It's the army of the Lord. I might be fighting, but I'm not fighting by myself. I might be struggling, but I'm not struggling by myself. I'm in this army. I'm yeah, we used to sing it when we were in Sunday school, but it's more than just a Sunday school song. It's a revelation. If you're weak, but you move, you're in the Lord's army. Musicians, come, I'm trying to close. Can you put a scripture up there for me? Luke chapter 17, verse 14. Don't, don't put it up quite just yet. Let me give you a little background to this. Luke chapter 17, Jesus coming off a mountain. Ten lepers see him. I don't know if you've ever heard of this Jesus dude, but he's kind of a big deal. 
like everybody he touches gets healed. And even some people that he don't touch, he just speaks the word over them. And two towns over, they get up out of their sickbed. He's a big deal. He's still kind of the one that's taking broken lives and putting them back together again. He's a big deal. So he comes down off a mountain. And because he's a big deal, there are people that are labeled. Bible doesn't give their name. No Billy, no frog, goo, buckshot, none of that. Labels them. It says 10 leprous men. Labeled by their condition. Body parts are falling off. They're literally rotting from the inside out. God, I don't have time to preach that. These men fall down, start screaming, Jesus, help us. We've heard you healed lepers before. And they got the revelation that if he did it before, he can do it again. They've, they've heard he's opened the blinded eyes. They've heard all this stuff. And Jesus, the greatest miracle worker that has ever stepped foot on the earth, he does something. And he leaves it there for me and you to understand. He doesn't pray for them. Well, Rocky doesn't lay hands on them. He didn't touch them. None of that. Put it up there. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. Get this. And it came to pass that as they went. Do y'all see that? You got the same revelation I got of that? They were cleansed. As long as they stood there in their weakened condition, nothing happened. But the moment they began to move, I'm a leper. I've been told I'll never fit into any church program. My family's a wreck. I'm dealing with this leprosy, so it's most probable that nobody's going to want me. I'm struggling with an addiction. Nobody wants an addict. That's the beautiful thing about this church. It's a place where we're all running the same race. Setting still. I don't know it, but I just wonder if that's why we preach. And it's, it's a spiritual concept that happens every time. You see somebody that's broken and wounded, and they get up and start moving towards an altar. You'll find somebody that's life is really in a mess. They get to about right here. They don't even get, even get all the way. Tears flowing down their face. Go show yourself. I don't have time. That's, that's 2.25. We'll preach about that. I don't have time to preach about the one that came back. Go show yourself to the priest as they went. With every step, leprosy began to leave their body. Can, can I preach it in 2022 terms? As they went, their broken marriage that was in fragments, God started picking up the pieces.
They got out of the corner and stopped crying about everything that was going wrong. And as they went, there was a rekindling of a friendship. They were addicted, but on a Sunday morning in October, they got up. They weren't the loudest in the church. They weren't the one that everybody was paying attention to. But they started moving. So he's, he's preaching to someone that's a visitor. Yeah, you're right. I'm preaching to every visitor in this house. But I'm also preaching to some saints that have been in the same place you've been in for the last 15 years. And you haven't moved forward. That's all right. That's Holy Ghost. We're okay with that. I'm preaching right now to somebody that's been in church since you were a child and you've been in this same, this same format. It's like a three-year format where you make a little bit of headway and you fall back into the rut. And it's this three-year cycle that you keep going through over and over and over. As they went. As they started moving, something started happening in their spirit for the broken, messed up, demented, twisted things that happened to them and it messed them up. God started healing. Let me tell you, we understand the oneness of God, right? We understand that Jesus is the Father, Jesus is the Son, and Jesus is the Spirit. But I'm afraid that our understanding of the oneness of God stops there. We call him the names, but we forget that when we say Jesus, we say mind regulator. We forget that when we say Jesus, we say healer. It's, it's not just Father, Son, and Spirit all in one. But when we say Jesus, we say Redeemer. When we say Jesus, we say Broken Heart Fixer. I think some of us need a fresh baptism of who He really is today. And you need to do it by getting out of your pew and walking through your weakness. Listen, if you've got everything together, I'm telling you, stay where you are. I want to shake your hand after church is over. But there's somebody here today that's wounded. There's somebody here today that's dealing with labels. You're dealing with conditions. And, And even your own self, you begin to identify with that. And that's who you are in your own mind. But if you could just get the revelation today, that's not who you are. You're not an addict. You're not a failure. You're not even a hothead, brother. I know you're you're struggling with anger issues, but that's not who you are. That might be what you are, but you can change that by walking in weakness. Come on, somebody move, 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 move. Don't wait till they start saying, move now. 
Come on, don't wait till somebody comes and gets you out of the pew. Move now. Move now. Move. Move. Come on, he wants to develop you. 